Episode 161 for December 2011. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. And a spider example is on the Ultimate Comics Spider-Man Volume 1 hardcover. This one features the origin of the new Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and it collects Ultimate Comics Spidey number 1 to 5. And the cover price for this hardcover is $24.99. Mail order has it for just $15.49, which is 38% off the cover. So check them out at their new website, mailordercomics.com. This month in Spider History, we're going to December of 1975. I was born that year. What were you doing in 75, JR? Uh, 1975, I believe that I was in the fifth or sixth grade. I was 12 years old in wow. 1975. Well, I would have been in seventh grade, wouldn't I? Yeah. I mean, I was, al- I, I, I was alive and buying Spider. Spider-Man comics, <laughs> you know. In fact, uh, I, in fact, I think I can honestly say that to at least half the members of this panel that I was buying Spider-Man comics before you were born. <laughs> yes, I was negative eleven in 1975. Wow. Of course, I that was, means you know what? What the hell does that mean? You know, I mean, it's like, and, and you know, and one of those guys could could say, and yeah, and I'll be buying Spider-Man comics when you're dead. So <laughs> you know. Uh, we're even. So anyway, Amazing Spider-Man 151 came out uh, with a beautiful looking John Romita cover. Oh yeah, uh, of Spider-Man uh, is in the sewer, and, and he has a word balloon that says, "Flooding this sewer won't help you, Mister. Only one of us is leaving here alive." And there's water behind him, and he's looking badass. And the uh, little red circle says, Can you guess the shocking identity of Spidey's super foe? And this one was written by Len Wein, art by Ross Andrew. As I said earlier, John Romita cover, the name of the book. Uh, the story its name was Skirmish Beneath the Streets. And this one uh, was uh, important because Spider-Man throws a dead clone down a smokestack. Who got better? <laughs> it's also the beginning of Len Wein's run. Yes. So, Jr., tell us about this issue. Who is he going after in the sewer? Uh, well, first of all, you guys just pissed away my entire opening paragraph, so uh, or, or or gave it away. So here I was going to have so this. Here I was going to have this nice lead in about the body and the beginning of Len Wein's run, and you guys just went off and and ruined <laughs> all of that for we, me. So we, we didn't go to rehearsal, Jr. Sorry. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, but uh, okay. go ahead. As you all know, I mean, as as you've said, he just he depo- just deposits the so-called body uh, of of his clone. Uh, but he also, you know, also uh, thinks he's being watched, and uh, it quickly goes away. And and as uh, all of us now know, that the that setup finally paid off thirty issues later when we found out that it was Harry Osborn taking taking pictures of him disposing of his clone. So uh, other there was other significance event this month was actually it was Harry Osborn's return uh, after his uh, brief turn as the Green Goblin in issue number 137. Harry's coming back and obviously uh, he's he's very highly hopped up on whatever antidepressants and antipsychotic medicine that they were giving people back in the mid 70s because he's clearly moving and talking through a fog uh, and uh, you know, and uh, hey, man. 
Yeah, obviously not very, not very, uh, uh, not very prescient at all. Um, also, it's a uh, J. Jonah Jameson is hosting an engagement party for Ned Leeds and Betty Brandt. Uh, you know, take a shot for Tony. Uh, not, will, not willingly, of course. Uh, and it's like your dad hosting a party. Uh, because there's about three pages of just classic Jonah stuff, complaining about things like people, you know, blazes, some idiot left a patio door open. Electricity doesn't grow on trees, you know. You know, Lord, no, not my guy Lombardo records. Or, huh, some dolt turned up the air conditioning again. Gad, this isn't a chair. It's an antique Indonesian incense burner. Try the tuna or you're fired. So... <laughs> <laughs> So a lot, a lot of good. I mean, this is just this is just cheap Jonah moments, and a lot of you know. Lot, he's and he's got some other good lines too. So I mean, if you're a Jonah fan, uh, this issue is worth getting based on that. Uh, but if you know, if you're paying attention though, I mean, something's going on in the background. You keep hearing about all these blackouts that are you know kind of are, are happening all over the city, and they're moving this way. And uh, of course, you know our hero. Our hero thinks something is wrong, uh, and he it really is proven when the lights go out in Jonah's penthouse, and Spider-Man steals a ride on a helicopter and is taken way up in the air where he can see exactly what's going on. And yes, it is the shocking super foe that we all thought it was. Uh, and th this is just the first part of a Titanic two-part tale. So that was that was issue 151. Was it a good one? You like it? Yeah, it was a good one for the most part. Classic Spidey. Awesome. Classic B villain set up for a fight with a B villain. Maybe the other fellows can help us, but this was retconned a little bit later. The the clone that he actually put in the smokestack was not really Ben Riley. It was it was the remains of a. Uh, no, it was what, what, retconned. Then it was unretconned. Yeah. yeah, there was uh, well, who the, the hell spider skeleton story never went anywhere, and then they basically threw it under the bus, and it still was Ben Riley, and that skeleton I think was placed later. It's, it was really confusing. The, ske the skeleton that was discovered in that smokestack was placed later as a di as a ver diversion by I think Norman was the one that placed it. No, Jackal did. Oh, was it Jackal? Okay, it was Jackal. Jackal, Jackal, actually, Jackal went... It actually was Ben Riley that he threw down the smokestack? Ben Riley right, was yeah. thrown down the smokestack. Jackal yes. rescues him. He wakes up outside of the smokestack, and he doesn't know, like, how he got there. And after Jackal rescues him, he throws another, like, dead clone in there, so that way, just to, like, confuse matters. Good because grief. the clone saga needed to be more confused. Mercy. That was, Mercy. That was the Jackal's plan. Was got smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> and the, if I remember correctly, Dan Jurgen started the skeleton, didn't he? And you say that didn't go anywhere? Yeah, it was an idea, and then they ran with it but without a resolution. And then right. they even brought Robin in Kuziak, who wasn't even writing the main titles, to try to try to figure it out. Where was it resolved, or was it ever? Well, Osborne Journal, yeah. The Osborne, what did the Osborne Journal say? It said that it was a dead it's clone. what we just said. Jackal, yeah, it's pretty much what I just said. Like Basically, the Osborne mess. Journal was just like a, a, a piece that was published after the Clone Saga to try to clean up all the dangling bits of continuity that were never resolved and never made sense. And, and they were all basically, Norman Osborne was behind it, and he used the Jackal. Doot, 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 doot. And today, we don't have an Osborne Journal. We have a letter pages to clear up any misconceptions. <laughs> well, the Osborne Journal is like so far out of continuity now, it's like not even funny. He's like, Harry, my son, he's dead. He's really dead. He's not alive, and I don't know that he's alive, but he's really so dead. Sad. Also, I bought that Harry at Toys R Us one day. 
Yeah. Mercy. Also, Harry's my uh, only son. I have no other kids. No other kids at all. <laughs> and Aunt May's dead, too. And back, he actually says Aunt May's dead, and I have nothing to do with it. Back on track, there's a, one more Spider-Man book that came out this month. It was called Avenging Team-Up. No, wait a minute. Marvel Team-Up, uh, number 40. Spider-Man is teaming up with the Sons of the Tiger, who I've never heard of. Uh, and the previous issue, Marvel Team of 39, he teamed up with Johnny Storm. This one's called Murders Better the Second Time Around, written by Bill Matlow, Sal Buscema on art. And the villains include the Enforcers, Montana, Fancy Dan, Death, Big Man 2, Daughter of the Original, huh? <laughs> Crime Master 2, Son of the Original, and the Sandman. Tell us about this epic story, JR. <laughs> Well, there's 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 a few reasons you haven't heard of the Sons of the Tiger, uh, but uh, you know that was a few iterations ago. I mean, they became eventually they became the White Tiger because they threw their uh, they threw their amulets away, and he picked them up, and of course then he got killed, and then a, a female White Tiger took over, and I don't know where we are on that now. So anyway, uh, this is actually the second part, as you said, of a Titanic two-part tale that began in the prior issue. The Human Torch was captured by the Enforcers and the Big Man as bait to lure Spider-Man into a trap. But how could that be? The Big Man is dead! Frederick Foswell was the Big Man, and he was killed by the Kingpin's goons, protecting J. Jonah Jameson way back in Amazing Spider-Man number 52. And as Spider-Man gets ready to clean the Big Man's clock at the end of issue 39, in steps the Sandman with <gasps> the Crime Master. But wait! He's dead, too! Killed by the police <laughs> even earlier in Amazing Spider-Man 27, which you would have you would know the full details if you listen to Spider-Man classics, um, which covered this issue one at one time. Spidey says, this is a nightmare. And a torch closes the issue by saying, then we'd better wake up fast, Webhead, or we might not live to wake up again. <laughs> what writing? What Gripping writing, and and, it, and as they used to say on Star Trek, the, uh, the or the Next Generation, and now the conclusion. Okay, <laughs> great, and awesome. There's this fierce battle royale. That uh, apologies, by the way, to that uh, Japanese uh, uh, movie that uh, the Hunger Games is currently ripping off. Anyway, the fierce <laughs> battle royale that leads off the issue results in both Spidey and the Torch being captured. So the scene then shifts to a karate studio that just happens to be conveniently located right next door, where a couple of the sons of the tiger are putting their hands on each other, practicing their karate moves. Okay. Of course they are. Now, <laughs> Sounds now, sexy. Now, okay, now, guys, this is the 70s, okay? <clears throat> so you, right. you got to remember, it was written in that vein. All right, here we go. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. Yeah. Now, if you, if you thought that that's Miles, porn music, what am I doing? Now, if you thought Sorry. that Miles Morales was pandering to all kinds of demographics, well, the Sons <laughs> of the Tiger have got him beat. Okay, because they include one white dude, one black dude, one Asian <laughs> dude, and a chick who is also Asian. So she covers a couple of demographics. Now, if she'd been in a wheelchair, she'd been like the gal from Tri. We really, really had it covered. <laughs> Um, now, I suppose that she could have been a lesbian, but if she had been a lesbian, then we wouldn't have this smoldering love triangle between the white dude and the Asian dude. Anyway, okay. so the, the chick's name is Lotus, Okay, which if she's named after a flower, it's a good thing she wasn't born in Kentucky, because then she might have been named Verbena, which is actually the name, which was actually the name of one of my wife's 
great aunts. Yes, the same 84-year-old woman I got in a fight with and almost lost. But that's <laughs> <another>. <laughs> uh, now, now, really, it's a waste of time to refer to any of the Sons of the White Tigers by their names because it's obvious they weren't meant to be people. They were meant to be archetypes. So that's why, you know, I just call them the white dude, the black dude, the Asian dude, and the Asian chick. Okay? Now, it's a good – now, see, here's a – you know, this, it's a good thing uh, Bill Mantlo knew how black people talk. I mean, he's got – Oh, boy, black, did he. Yeah, this, he's, got this, he's got this black speak down because <laughs> – I'm I'm looking at the uh, the essentials or the essentials copies which are black and white, but okay. I can tell who the black dude is oh, God. <laughs> because because Bill Mantlo, like I said, like every other white guy writing comics in the '70s, really knew how black people talk. For example, the black guy is the only character who drops all of his G's when he talks. You see it. <laughs> Then, like that, you were flying. Sounds like someone's tossing cannonballs next door. And he calls the white dude bro and brother man. <laughs> and as if not, and the cherry on the top is his last name is Brown. So, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> anyway, anyway, okay. So anyway, Spidey and the Torch—they're—they're they're about to be. Um, oh, I—they're I, having an option. You know, uh, who gets to whack Spidey and the Torch? You know, the Crime Master or the Big Man? You know, and the Sons of the Tigers come to the rescue, and the Black Dude rescues the Torch by shattering the glass he is imprisoned with. And here, I quote: "This is a quote okay. with a good old kung fu wallop." <laughs> and the eyes oh. goes, and, and you know, and you know, see, you know who the bad guys are too, okay? Because they're Italian, and you know, <laughs> you know they're Italian because they substitute the letter D for the letters TH. You know, they don't say them; they say dim. They don't say they; they say day, day. You, you know, you know things like that, and they're racist. Uh, they're racist, they're racist because as one of the goons tries to take out the Asian son of the tiger, he says, and we're going to get you next, slant eyes. Anyway, after Spider-Man, and then Spider-Man is freed by the chick, okay? He says, lady, you've just made this little web selling her as happy as a hot dog. <laughs> what? Now, a point of reference, which I need to put no. this in its proper context. Oh, How happy no. is a hot dog? I mean, is it happier than a clown, a child on Christmas Day, a couple on their honeymoon, uh, Bertoni when he's busy viscerating Betty Brandt, you know, six ways to happen? Oh, that's happy. Just how happy is a hot dog? Oh, man. Anyway. Well, wow. the bad guys get away, the heroes split up and call it in a night, and the torches plane bails out because he has a date. Okay, now, there's a lot of other silliness and convenient plot devices that I've skipped uh, for the sake of time, but Spidey does catch up with the bad guys, and they've traveled a long way, and he's had to follow them a long way, okay, because the bad guys go right back next door. <laughs> 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 to the Sons of the Tigers uh, hideout. And they oh capture them. And as the great intellect Montana says, 
and I quote, that old skunk foo don't amount to much when you don't get to use it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And anyway, obviously oh the the uh, the 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 Asian chick, you know, uh, her power must all be in her hair because the crime master is just holding her by her hair, and she's just like like a limp rag. You know, she's not restrained, tied up, or you know, like the like the, the, the they're tying up the Asian dude. The Sandman's got the other two guys covered with sand, and the the Asian chick's just hanging there by her hair. So her power, her superpower, must be in her hair. Anyway, okay. Well, needless to say, good prevails over evil. But Marvel team up, man. But not before the crime master shoots the big man dead. And the big and the big reveal is that the big man and the crime master are. Oh my God. The daughter and son, respectively, of the original Big Man and Crime Master, who they actually met in private school, and they fell in love with each other. other And just by coincidence, they decided they were going to get revenge against Spider-Man for both of their fathers at the same time without telling each other. (laughs) Talk about a couple of desperate need of... Being able to communicate, I think this couple takes the cake. So this is anyway, so and as as we conclude, we shall say ah for a gloom, you know, because it's a, a truly a tragic love story gone bad. So with that in mind, you know, ah for a glooming peace this morning with it brings the sun for sorrow will not, sorrow will not show his head. Go hence to have more talk of these sad things. Some shall be pardoned and some punished, for never was a sadder tale to tell. Than this of Nick Lewis Jr. and his Janet Foswell. So, <laughs> so wow. there you go. Marvel team up number forty in all of its, God. all of its. I was going to say subtle what racism, but not so. What a mess! I got to read this Just, shit. I did it too. It's racist. Oh. And oh my it, god! Who's well, I, I, I would say unintended. Intentionally so, but it's one yeah. of those things that I mean, and I hate to say this, but when I mean when I read it at twelve years old in nineteen seventy five, didn't think anything of it. You know, so, yeah, seventy five, thirty six years. Yeah, ago, so exactly. So you know, we can't yeah. entirely judge. I mean, you know, it, it's. I mean, we're, I'm doing this for fun. I mean, it, it's almost not fair to judge somebody by in nineteen seventy five by two thousand and eleven standards. But but this I will. Is, you will oh, go right ahead. Uh, but, but you know, it's it's interesting though when when you get into the wider debate of how you know schools are trying to censor you know like they don't want Mark Twain you know they don't want to do Mark Twain or Tom yeah. Sawyer in school or I mean sorry Huck Finn in schools because of the language there, you know and 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 uh, Warner Brothers has taken certain cartoons out of commission uh, because of their themes. In a way, I think they're doing a disservice, and uh, and because. Yeah. I mean, when you read this stuff, I mean, it it, it reminds you it reminds you of what people, the mindset was. And sometimes I mm-hmm. I think we need to be, I think we kind of need a dose of reality, you know, to remind us yeah. of just you know how how inequitable things were and just yeah. how prevalent certain perspectives were, you know. And I I say that without preaching. So there's a there's anyway. a message board question later on that that kind of connects to that, at least in my answer. But no, yeah, I mean it's it's. Because I've read uh, Shang Chi, some I've read the Shang Chi Spider Man crossovers in the Essentials, and like it's like a, it's like a history book almost, and just in terms of how 
they thought people that weren't white were. So it's it's, it's yeah. great fun. I don't think I've ever read Marvel Team Up 39 and 40, even though I own them. So I, I definitely want to pull these out and, and reread them, JR. That it sounds like an epic tale. My God. Well, we didn't even talk about Mosquito. <sighs> You know the guy, the kid who raises pigeons, because you know. The, because wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! We can't skip that. That was in there. Uh, yeah, the dude that raises pigeons. And see, Mosquito was Hispanic. I, you so, know what? I knew, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I'm God. just a predict. I'm I'm a predictable old white dude. What can oh, I say? Oh uh, my God! But yeah, I mean, oh. you know, he, Mosquito is Hispanic, and he comes out speaking Spanish, and of course, Spider Man doesn't understand it. Uh, so and. Uh, well, anyway, the big man shoots one of Mosquito's pigeons dead. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of gets this whole thing set off. Set off so, yeah. Good, good research this month, JR. My goodness. You did good. <laughs> All right, tackling reviews. We've got two books this month. The Amazing Spider-Man 673, the epilogue of Spider Island. And we have 674, which starts a new storyline with the Vulture Kids. Uh, this book in 673 basically is a wrap-up. Everybody starts off the book naked, which kind of like the hangover. You don't want that. Uh, and also in this book, uh, Carly, is this where Carly finds out? Yes. Carly finds out, she deduces that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And possibly so. And also, the mind wipe is no longer in effect. People can learn uh, that's Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And there are some nice Mary Jane moments in here about how she says that the city says thanks for Peter's involvement with Spider-Island. So let's start off with Donovan, since you are new on the show. Let's start with you. What's your pro and con? Oh, this will be good. <laughs> Damn right, it'll be good. Uh, <laughs> well, I had... Uh, a couple of big, big, big cons in this issue, but I still actually liked it. Um, I actually thought this was the best issue of the Spider Island um, uh, storyline, and I'm going to give it a B. What I didn't like right off the bat was um, right on the front page, um, they have this whole run about, you know, oh, we're all naked, but your headband's back, Misty Knight, and I, Black Panther, have lost my beard and my hairstyle is different. And like Hawkeye says, guys, we live in a world where the, the Hulk runs around with pants even though he shouldn't, just roll with it. And to me, that really seemed like incredibly obnoxious for Slot to put in there. I understand he was trying to make a joke about, you know, comic book contrivances and the Hulk really shouldn't be having pants. But the whole, I mean, it, it just felt like he was writing something in there to be questioned and then told the readers not to question it. It felt really, really obnoxious, and that kind of put me off. But that being said, I mean, I love the art. I love um, uh, Stefano Caselli's work. Is very very nice, and it was a nice breather from Ramos's stuff, which I liked. But it w it was a lot easier on the eyes. It's a lot less hectic. I liked I liked most of the scenes with Peter talking to the guy on the construction site. I liked the scene with him and Kane, in the Kane's uh, symbolism of uh, wearing the blue hoodie. I thought it was kind of interesting. I liked the scene with Robbie and JJ, and um, the what the best thing I liked about this was the scene with Carly and Peter breaking up. Because, um, I mean, I think people might think that Peter's being written badly here, but I think this is an instance where a character is flawed, but it's for the benefit of the story, and it makes him a lot more relatable character. Because she's like, Peter, I'm leaving you. I know you're Spider-Man, and I'm leaving you. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. You know I'm Spider-Man? And she's like, asshole, don't you, don't you understand I'm leaving you? And it's just, Peter, 
throughout the entire relationship is like he doesn't care about Carly. I mean, I think George said in the last episode, he never really thought about her after she transformed into a giant spider. He was always with Mary Jane. And he, when you think back to it, he was kind of bullied into the relationship to begin with. So it just, I'm not sure whether, whether Slot was doing this actively or it was just like an undercurrent of like the nature of the, of the relationship. But I liked how they broke up because at the end of the day, Carly, for all the times they say that she's, she's special and smart or whatever, she's really just like a Bond girl in terms of like she's just another girl Peter happened to get with. And I like the fact that she just leaves him because she actually has a mind of her own and can not take this kind of stuff. And then Peter's just mad that she found out his, like, his secret identity. He doesn't care about her at all, which I find, I find that a, a for refreshing for a protagonist to be kind of like single-minded. I didn't like how Dr. Strange explained how the mind wipe went away because it doesn't make any sense. Like the mind wipe is supposed to direct people's uh, attention away from him being Spider-Man. But when it should have, it didn't. And somehow that weakened the spell. That doesn't make any sense. But I don't, I don't mind because the wine wipe's now gone, so I'm not complaining about that. And, yeah, overall, I thought it was a very, very well-done wrap-up for yeah. the story. Uh, give it a B. I, I agree with you. I think it was one of the best parts of the whole damn Spider Island. I, I agree, because a lot happened here, as opposed to some others. Uh, JR, pro and con and grade, sir. Oh, Lord. Uh, I got some... <laughs> Well, you know, the pro, I'm glad the psychic mind wipe's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh I I liked um I liked uh, the art and I liked the uh what's his name? Caselli, is that the the guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like his Mary Jane. Um and I liked all the moments with Mary Jane and, and you know, it, to me it just shows I mean there's the natural ease that these two have Peter and Mary Mary Jane have together uh, that, you know, he just doesn't seem to have with any other character, no matter how, how desperately they try to shoehorn him with another character. It seems that his best scenes naturally are with Mary Jane. Um, so I like that. And I liked, I liked the way that, jo- you know, I like Jonah swallowing his pride, you know, for a moment, just to very su- just to subtly say thank you to Spider-Man. Um, as far as the con though, I mean, the scene with Carly is both good and bad. Uh, I mean, it's good because this is close to a truthful scene between two people when this kind of thing would come up. You know, I mean, by, you know, I mean, you're hiding a significant part of your life from me. You know, when, you know, when did you expect me to find out, you know, when, <laughs> when you were laying a thousand eggs of cancer in me, you know, uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, I mean, that's something you don't keep something from somebody you, you remotely think you're going to have a serious relationship with. And, and frankly, she should tell him to piss off and she shouldn't come back. But then again, that's, that's the whole problem with the quote, you know, the dude. You know the the whole doom to fail or the quest to get laid scenario. This is going. This scenario is going to have to play out over and over and over again. Who wants to see that? You know, who wants to see him either continually lie to a girl, you know, or her figure out and him get mad and, and her get mad at him and leave. I mean, it's you know, who, who wants to see this thing play out uh, over and over again? Just put him with the woman he belongs with and, and tell other stories. And Carly gives herself way too much credit. She's a forensic scientist. That's how she figured it out. How about it's so damn obvious that anyone who spends any amount of time with the two of you should be able to figure it out. So, and I, not to keep ragging on Madam Webb, you know, and I can see the <laughs> Go ahead. And, I, and, and all I can see <laughs> the future. But she says, oh, by the way, I'm sorry for your loss. Well, what kind of cruel person does that? <laughs> I can see, I mean, come what purpose does it serve to tell somebody that? You know, that's absolutely asinine. If you have the power to see in the future, and then the the first 
thing you say to him, you know, oh, by the way, you know, your wife's about to get hit. Wait a minute, that would be good news. Anyway, no, your kids are about to get hit by a semi-truck, you know. Uh, I'm sorry for that, you know. And, uh, oh, I mean, why would you tell somebody that? People don't talk that way. I mean, unless you're the most thoughtless, careless, cruel person. Uh, so it's this is stupid. People do not talk this way. They do not act this way. Um, and I would have given the story. I would was going to give it a B, but because of this idiotic moment, I give it a C. Refresh me. Sorry for your loss of losing Carly as a girl. Is that what she said? No, that's why he thinks it is. But she said because she she goes through this rigmarole of, of saying, you know, you could stop being Spider Man now. All you got to do is, you know, is uh, you know, you know, stick that thing in you like you're a heroin junkie, and and uh, you right. know, and you can get rid of your powers. Uh, and he says, no, I'm going to keep them. And then she says, oh, I'm sorry for your loss then. And they, he thinks they're talking about Carly. And he, she, she says, oh, no, I'm talking about the loss that is to come. Whoa. Yeah, that's really nice. That's really nice. Yeah. You know, stupid. That, that, okay. Guesstimate of who it is, obviously, J. Jonah Jameson Sr. Carly's going to die. Uh, we've been saying Jonah Sr. is going to die for two or three years. It's like, it's like. It's going to happen, dude. It's going to happen. Probably, but it's like uh, it's like if we keep on guessing it, and eventually we're right. It's not like we can give ourselves a pats on the back. Like every season, I, I thought Chloe was going to die on Smallville. <laughs> Here, here's my guesstimate: December 2011. It's going to be his fault, and and uh, they're going to do an homage to Uncle Ben. If they do that, I'll be pissed off. With with Aunt May, that's so what they're going to do. <laughs> that's okay. Cheap ass writing. I have to okay. say though, in in that scene. That, <sighs> about the loss. It was pretty funny Peter's reaction. You know what? I'll just start mooning you. So that way you keep seeing spider butt every time you look into the future. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Great. What was your grade again, JR? A C. All right. Zach, go ahead. Uh, I enjoyed this issue. Uh, this was far and away. This made Spider Island actually somewhat worth it. Um, my pros uh, are definitely the artwork. Uh, I thought the story was well paced. I thought it was a good wrap up. My con. Oh, and I really enjoyed the fact that Peter Parker and Mary, uh, uh, Carly Cooper were, um, you know, broke up. Broke up. Thank God. I I did For a happy hell. dance. I'm not gonna lie. I did a little happy dance, and I I uh, started myself. My 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 con. My if this this is a minor quibble, but. The spider emblem on 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 the way Caselli draws it is never really consistent. In one in in some in some panels it's big, in some panels it's smaller. It just doesn't necessarily always fit, and I just that's a minor quibble. Very. Um, <laughs> but loved the uh, Mary Jane swinging through the city. And the one thing I kind of disliked was uh, in the story was Peter. Why is there's something I'm forgetting. There's something I'm forgetting. She's sitting right next to you. You know, it, it makes his the way he reacted to the Mary Jane thing was like, oh wait, I need that one more vial so that way we can get you know Mary Jane doesn't have to turn into a giant mutated spider. You know what I kept thinking through the book is the one thing he's forgetting is Carly is naked out there. Is what I was I was thinking exactly. I, I wasn't thinking. I, uh, it could be either Mary Jane or Carly. Yeah, I, maybe that was intentional. Maybe it wasn't. I don't well, know. Well, it, it's basically he's so absent-minded when it comes to the women in his life. He's it's just Peter Parker's a tool. <laughs> um, my big con. This did nothing. This story did nothing to explain 
why Peter Parker has no more organic web shooters and those powers that he gained from, you know, becoming a spider and and stuff. Were you expecting well, that to happen this issue? Well, I mean, you bring it up finally, and it's not resolved. I mean, I, you resolve so many other things. Why didn't you just resolve that and just by by even a one panel, uh, you know, exposition from from you know Peter going, well, I lost my other powers, and then boom, that that explains it, and and it's done. Um, I agree with Don. And the other con is is the way the mind wipe was undone. Uh, it, it was something that was an albatross around the title, and I, I'm glad I welcome it, and I'm glad it happened. But uh, uh, it's a it's a it's a pro in the fact that you're not handicapped in the captain of the future writers, but it's a con in the way it was executed. <laughs> here's here's a question to you, Zach. Why did they take his spider powers or uh, spider sense away, and why did they introduce the mind wipe if they were going to take it away? Yeah, I mean it. Well, they it, didn't take I, away the mind wipe. They only took away the psychic block. They they jacked with it a little bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, is is it to add dramatic? I mean, tension to the book, or I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it was basically guess, it was basically slot saying, let's take away the spider sense, and then we'll have these comedic moments where you're like, don't, you know, like where he, when he when he swings into a police car, or you know, he, he jumps into a hail of bullets. Oh wait, I don't have my spider sense. Oh no. You know that that's stupid. Uh, I guess I really don't have anything to bitch about that. I mean, that's just part of comics. Yeah, I mean, that, I really, granted, I really don't have anything to bitch granted, about. That I mean, thing. granted, everyone knew the spider sense was coming back. Yeah, well, it's a Stan, It's it's kind of a harken back to Stanley. You know, yeah. Stanley would do that type of thing all the time. Slot did say that he wouldn't. He, as long as he was writing the title, he wouldn't have his spider sense back, which was a bold faced lot, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, and, and it then Joe Okasada said, ha, 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 "Not if I can help it." <laughs> oh, that, that, that's just pure speculation. So Zach, what's your grade? Uh, I'm going to give this a, a solid B plus. I mean, I'm not going to okay. quite give it an A, but it, it's definitely a definitely a B plus for me. Kev, well, um, honestly, Spider Island being one of the worst Spider-Man stories I've ever read, <laughs> it's almost offensive that it got six parts and a prologue and an epilogue and several surprisingly essential Venom tie-ins and all that crap. But that said. This epilogue was far and away the best part of Spider Island that I read. Um, it was actually a really entertaining issue, and the art by Caselli was fantastic, great to look at. His uh, naked Carly almost makes me finally realize why Peter was with her for so long. Um, <laughs> her glasses. <laughs> and, and just some, some really great comedic lines in here, especially near the beginning. My two favorites being... The uh, fireman who's talking to Red Hulk and says, uh, Letter 118 from Brooklyn. We're here to help cart away some giant monster. Would that be you or... <laughs> and then you have naked Hercules standing beside gravity, and Hercules is saying, Zounds, what a glorious day. I'm restored to my righteous form with good comrades by my side, a monster <laughs> torn asunder, and naked people as far as the eye can see. Reminds me of a time <laughs> in my scene, eh? And gravity is simultaneously yelling, Pants over here! We need pants for Hercules! So just, and, and fire starters peaking. Yeah, yeah fire starters peaking. Started, like, yeah, oh so I thought that was cute. Yeah, so just a lot of great moments. And, you know, little touches like down at the bottom when Kane is walking by with his invisibility on, you just see Wolverine turn to the side going sniff. Um, yeah, that, was good. that was good. Lots of great touches in here. It was really entertaining to read. Uh, the Jackal's back, and it makes sense, although still doesn't explain what the hell was up with 90s Jackal, since this clearly isn't him. Um 
you know, some oh, good I Mary Jane I, stuff. I, Thank you very much to uh, Dan Slott for breaking up Pete and Carly Cooper. Thank you very much to Dan Slott for getting rid of the psychic blind spot. That was stupid. We're setting up Kane to go off on his Scarlet Spider journey. New York gives Spider-Man a little recognition. Pretty much all good stuff. My only con is uh, what JR brought up with Madam Web saying, uh, <laughs> you're screwed. And so I'm going to I'm gonna give it an A. Wow. that That's really awesome, Kevin. <laughs> I haven't heard an A out of you in a long time. Uh, Josh, we haven't had you yet. All right. Well, um, here's here's a little story. Um, uh, I'm not going to name names, but Donovan and I were on the phone with um a friend of ours when the preview for this issue came out. We were talking about like you know nudity and comics and stuff, and we said, well, you know, arguing like the new DC 52's nudity versus like this nudity. We're like, well, you know, the nudity and the new Amazing Spider-Man, you know, wasn't you know that exploitative or something. And then our friends like. What are you talking about? You're trying to trick me. There's no nudity in the new issue of Spider-Man. I read that preview, and nobody was naked. And I'm like, <laughs> are you serious? You read the preview? He's like, yes, I read the preview. Nobody was naked. We're like, the title's called The Naked City, and everybody <laughs> is naked. No, and, and everything that they're talking about is being naked. And then finally he's like, no, you're lying, you're lying. We show him the preview, and he says, oh... Yeah, when I read this, I didn't notice any of the naked stuff. And we said, how could you not? It's called The Naked City, and it's like three pages of everyone talking about, boy, we're sure naked here. So, funny little story. Anyway, uh, like Don, I was annoyed about the whole, like, oh, isn't it weird that Carly has her glasses? Oh, well, it's just like the Hulk having pants somehow. (laughs) And uh, all the people saying, now... Before this issue came out, there was a preview of that panel with uh, Peter saying, I'm Spider-Man, but you didn't see his full face. I was convinced up until, like, the day before this issue came out that that that, that was, like, going to be Phil Yurick and we were being tricked. So I was actually – yeah. Oh, yeah, you told me. I was surprised that they – well, I also told you something, too, that we'll get to later, but <laughs> – me and Don had a whole argument about the Carly scene for like two hours, and I was like, Carly and Mary Jane are going to have a talk about this, I bet you. And he's like, no, she's never going to be seen again. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm surprised about all the people who thought that because Peter and Carly broke up, they were broken up for good. Like, everyone was like, hooray, you know, Carly and Peter are broken up. It's like, do, do people not think that they're going to get back together? Cause, oh, they will. Just yeah. enjoy it no. for now. No, really? Yeah, they will. The psychic thing doesn't make sense. Like when Peter displayed spider powers um, in the in that Daughter of Craven story arc to that comic book owner, he uh, like it, it didn't break the mu- so like the rules are inconsistent. And because the spells weaken, people should rem- I don't know the it the mind block didn't make sense. So I can kind of roll with the way that it went away doesn't make sense either. Exactly. Uh, exactly. One problem that I want to bring up that nobody I'm surprised nobody's brought up was. Um, I'm going to read you a, three panels from the Parker years. Peter's flashbacking, and he says, When Aunt May was dying, I saw Ben at the window, watching, waiting, and I gave him a nasty look that made it clear he wasn't wanted there, as if he were the one who didn't really belong at her side. Thanks to me, Ben never had a chance to say goodbye to his Aunt May before she died, and that's something I can never put right. Now, you know, juxtapose that with, like, Peter telling Kane in this issue, She's not your real aunt. You were just born in a test tube. <laughs> um, you know, granted, 
Dan Slott doesn't have to be beholden to every single, like, panel in Spider-Man history, but, like, one of the big lessons that Peter learned from the Clone Saga was, like, he thought that he was born in a test tube at one point, and, like, he's, like... Even though it was a joking thing to say, it was a very insensitive thing to say that kind of bugged me. It was uh, a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> Said Mark Wade. I'm going to go oh. walk across America that I'm not going to finish. That's awesome. <laughs> There's Dick move. Yeah. Ugh. That should be someone's handle on the message board. Dick move. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not mean to derail you. You, just, you set that What's up and I was like... But this was this was an okay issue. Otherwise, I'd probably give it a B minus or a C plus. Like the stuff that that wasn't really really horrible, I enjoyed the book. But like you know, when the book failed, it failed in a big way. Yeah. Uh, my turn. Let's see. I'm actually going to do something I haven't done in a long time. I'm going to agree with Kevin Cushing. Woo woo. And I'm giving this an A. Take a drink. Uh, <laughs> I love. I've. This is the first issue since One More Day where you have the Mary Jane-Peter Parker relationship similar to what they had. The, the, the banter, the flirtation, etc. This book has, been, has needed Mary Jane in, it in this capacity for 100 plus issues and we finally got it. She's the character that we all love and is back. Uh, so Mary Jane is a pro. Uh, there's a, I'll hit a couple pros that have not been said already. Uh, maybe maybe I missed it, but when did Spider-Man get a skylight in his apartment? When did that happen? Is this the first we've ever seen this? Uh, I haven't been track of his new apartment enough to tell you. Because back in the 80s, I loved how he used to sneak out through there. He used to go up through the bathroom, out through the skylight. The perfect way to come in and out of Spider-Man. I think in big time he may have mentioned it, but I don't remember it too well. Well, it's the first I've noticed it, and I'm happy it's back. I'm glad he's got a skylight. I think that's really cool. I don't know why I think that's cool. It's probably more uh, reminiscing on my part. Uh, cons, uh, one more pro. I like what uh, Peter asked for his costume back from Kane, and he goes, yeah, that ain't happening. I thought that was just kind of neat. I thought that was funny. Uh, con, I don't believe for an instant that... Reed Richards would go over to Eddie Brock, put his arm around him, and call him the true hero of Spider Island. Dick move. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> that's a con. I think that's totally out of character, unless this is one of the alternate reads from the Fantastic Four title. There's no way that this guy, this murderer, this Venom here, this Venom villain that's been terrorizing comics for 20 years. He's imprisoned at this place. Exactly. Yeah, but There's no you, way that Reed Richards would do that. You do I have to give credit where credit is due, though. Well, he, well, he, he still would not put his arm around Dr. Doom. I think he, he had before. Ar- yeah. I don't think he put his arm around uh, Otto Octavius after he saved his wife. I don't think he would do that and call him a hero. Yeah, I think he I, would, though. But I, I guess we're just going to disagree on it. I, I guess he hasn't. Reed hasn't met the family of that nurse that Eddie cut to pieces at the end of uh, near the end of uh, the um, Civil War thing, you know, and that's exactly. sensational. Yeah. Oh, so, that was a good story. Yeah, was it was a good, a good story. story. It was quickly br- forgotten. It was a brutal murder, and now here Eddie is on TV with a big smile, and you know he's here. Or as, or as my buddy Goofy would say. <laughs> <laughs> And it ended on a really good note with the light up of well, I'm not in New York. What what is that building Empire that was lit State. up? Empire State Building. There you go. Yeah. You don't you have to be in New Yorker to read it in the text, Brad. 
<laughs> Did it say Empire State? Does it say Empire State? Yep. It's not Missouri. I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> anyway, I I thought that was good. They're holding hands in that last scene. Chipper. They're looking at that. They, that's New York saying thanks. And it was just a good way to end the story. I thought the ending was a lot better than the setup and the tie-ins. Oh, yeah. So, A, out of me, I'm on ke- Team Kevin. Uh, 674, again, written by Mr. Slot. Something unique. I imagine this might be on all the top of the titles. The world's greatest superhero is at the very above the Amazing Spider-Man logo. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, it reminds me of back in the 90s, the non-mutant superhero. Remember that? Above yeah. the title? Yep. Remember those? Let's see. Uh, I think they restored Hans- the uh, title, the world's greatest comic magazine over Fantastic Four now, too. Yeah. that I, I like seeing that above that, but that's just making stuff up like that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Julepsespi. Giuseppe Camoncoli. Camoncoli. Okay. That, very good, Kevin. You speak it. Go ahead, Kevin. You start off. What, pro and con and grade. Uh, well, as much as I can say Giuseppe Camoncoli's name, it doesn't mean I like his art. Um... <laughs> so that's a that's a con. I thought there's a lot of just yeah. weird faces and weird body proportions and stuff going on in this comic. Although Klaus Jansen's inks and Frank D'Armada's colors helped it a lot. Um, yep. This honestly felt like any just average issue of any Spider-Man comic I've ever read. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way, and I don't mean that in a good way. It's just it's it's an average issue of Spider-Man. I've read a lot of these kinds of issues over you know decades worth of Spider-Man comics. Um, some of it works, some of it doesn't. I'm glad Adrian Toomes is back at the end because he is the only freaking vulture. Um, my biggest con is this new police officer uh, who's just tearing the head off of Spider-Man for no reason, and then a little bit later we have some narration that pretty much, from Spider-Man, that pretty much mirrored my thoughts. It was like, so, this old story again? Yeah, I feel the same way, Dan. Can we not? Um, so overall, I'm going to give this issue, I'll give it a B-, minus. just just fairly average with not that great art and, the, and that one big knockoff. Okay. J.R.? Well, you know, I'm kind of worried about how you're going to help Ava with her schoolwork as she gets older right. because, uh, you know, you clearly, you know, you didn't recognize the Empire State Building, which is one of the <laughs> se- seven wonders of the modern world. I mean, what, what, yeah. what, what, is it, what is it? What's it going to be? You know, you know, she brings home some of her geography homework, and you go, huh? What are those big stone triangles in the Egyptian desert? You know, or. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Ava, when you type a letter to Uncle JR, you start with the letters F and U. Start. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas. Boy. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> anyway, anyway six, <laughs> six, okay, 674. Goth teenagers falling to their deaths. Mm, not seeing the problem here. Uh, anyway, this was a pretty weak issue. I mean, uh, I, I gave it a C overall. Um, the characterization of the police chief is so over the top. I mean, I, I'm sure. I mean, I'm, I'm no civil servants enough to know that uh, there's a lot of incompetence that rises to the top. But but this guy is just this guy's really overdone. And plus, all it is is to show another example of oh gee, look how smart Carly is because she's so much smarter than the chief of police, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, what? So in the world of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Just because the next guy standing next, the guy standing next to you is an idiot doesn't make you smart, you know. And uh, you know, is it is it is it New York police protocol to shoot at an unarmed man with his hands in the air? 
Uh, <laughs> in comics, it is. <laughs> and the high high rise bur- ask questions later. Yeah, high rise burglaries. Hmm. High rise burglaries. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder who in the world could get up on high buildings and steal stuff. Who would do such a thing? Hmm. He would have to fly, wouldn't he? Hmm. No, no. Then then ring a bell. Then ring a bell at all. Anyway. Uh, um. Spidey does have some good lines. I'm voiding your warranty. I'd go to Hallmark, but I don't think I have a card for that yet. I'm going to use that on somebody. That is just too good not to use. Um, I mean, it was a nice, good old-fashioned Spider-Man story, but it, you know, it was there. There was a lot. Of, there was some over. Some things were overdone, and and really, there's uh, not a whole lot new here. And I'm not interested in a Castle comic. In fact, uh, as little as oh, I was I interested yeah. in it before, I sure as hell am not interested by having this big splashy promo in it. So, you know, next time, you know, next time Marvel, you want to promote one of your sister company's projects, you know, you know, don't bother me. Jay, refresh me in the very first issues of Web of Spider-Man back in the 80s. Vulturians! Tell me the history of the Vulturians versus these guys. Are, uh, didn't I, they I, steal the... The tech of Adrian again? I no, I, I don't. I don't know the history of the Vulturians. I don't. Does it, Does anybody? Because I kept thinking this is such a similar story. I'm pretty sure they stole the tech. I, I think you're. Hang on. I think I've got my Inspire Encyclopedia. Let me go yeah. dig it but, out. Tony, do you know? It's been a while since I read that, and the only thing I remember yeah. about the Vulturians arc is Peter going to the church, getting rid of the symbiotes, and. Right. Aunt May's, they were kind of in the background. Aunt but... May's hat was like the big MacGuffin. Like mm-hmm. Peter bought a hat for Aunt May, and like the Kingpin was after it, and like it was the first appearance of Alistair Smythe, and he was after it. And... Yeah, we've only had four, vul- four vultures and one group of Vulturians, and yet we can't figure out who might be stealing from high rises. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, speaking speaking of vultures, by the way. Uh, the vomiting vulture has died in a comic, Woo! not Amazing Spider-Man. Aww. Have you guys heard about this? He was in the Greg Rucka Punisher, and the Punisher stabbed him in midair, and he bled all the way down to the ground. What issue? I'm going to go buy six copies. <laughs> the vomiting vulture is now dead. Let's have a moment of science for a character we all hated. No, it's not. Oh, that was... Now, if Frank can only kill the freak. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, actually a lot dear... more I'd like for Frank to take on, and I would no I would really read that comic if it was just Frank Castle mowing down brand new day villains. <laughs> Where where is my what's her name Gumball no Freezeball Freezeball Screwball that's Screwball. it Gum Gumball I like Gumball better <laughs> Jr got a C out of you right right uh, Bertoni what do you think of this one it's it's just your average Spider Man issue I mean there's little things yeah. in there that annoyed me like we talk about slot in the dialogue when Glory Grant runs into Mary Jane at the club she says so M J who's the guy M J says what guy the guy who you brought to the party and then she says oh Gloria Grant you know because they have to say everyone's first name and last name I'm Mary right. Jane Watson wherever the party go wherever I go the party comes to me if you ran into a friend at a nightclub why is the first like why would you say to them, so who's the guy, the guy that you brought with you? Like, you know, First of all, Glory knows Mary Jane, and she knows that Mary Jane parties alone all the time. So the only reason that that line was in there was like so that Mary Jane can give a line of exposition about like how she's a party girl. So like that that was just stupid. Like The line was only in there, the setup, and that annoyed me. And then the, the coffee bean thing really annoyed me. It's like, oh, Peter's at the coffee bean at Astor Place. Carly's at the one at Ave Street. Wait a second. They have the same waiter. What are they trying to pull? 
Oh, it's the corner of eighth and Aster. Well done, slots. Well, like that—that that annoyed me as like I don't cartoony. Know. More like insulting the intelligence of the readers. Like, oh, I sure <laughs> fooled. I sure fooled you. Uh, aren't I a tricky writer? I'm, which, again, that's me reading the stuff that probably isn't there. I'm sure that that's not what's going through Dan Slot's head, but... No, that, I think it was just meant to be cute, because, like, the two panels under it, you can see the waitress crossing from Peter to Carly. So I don't think he was ever trying to fool anybody. I think he was just trying to be cute. I'm not saying it worked, but I think it was just trying to do. <laughs> Oh, it didn't. Uh, okay, I found uh, the Vulturians. They, All right. They made Adrian Toomes threatening again. That was cool. I like the world's greatest superhero thing. I mean, otherwise, it's it's an average issue of Spider-Man. You know, it was all right. I'd give it a B. Okay. Vulturians, real quick, what did they do? All right, from the Marvel Encyclopedia, Spider-Man. While in prison, an inmate named Honcho tricked Adrian Toomes into revealing the secrets of the Vulture costume. Honcho? Honcho. Honcho. <laughs> After being paroled, Honcho designed four winged outfits for himself and three friends. Gripes, Pigeon, and Sugar Face. <laughs> <laughs> How would you like to get that short note? Well, <laughs> Gripes, prison. Pigeon, and Sugar Face. Spider-Man! Sugar Face, get him! Epic. Epic. Oh, Epic. I just remembered, speaking of bad names for Vulturians, one more con for the issue. The main one's name is Angela Death. Really? <laughs> get it? Because she's the Angel of Death. Exactly. One more time, Zach. What were the three names? Poncho, what? Poncho, Gripes, Pigeon, and Sugarface. <laughs> Armed with poison blow darts and enhanced strength, the Vulturians sought revenge on Spider-Man, who had been responsible for each of their prison terms. They managed to catch him at a disadvantage on two occasions, but proved unable to take him down. Finally, Vulture es- the Vulture escaped from prison and engaged the usurpers picking them off one by one. Spider-Man joined the chase, ensuring all four survived, but ended up in police custody. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Um, Why do you let's see? Well, Zach, go- I got a book, man. Boom. You get- <laughs> JR is a walking JR book. is a book. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, go ahead. Tell, tell me what you thought. Pro, con, and great on uh, this The one. con is the artwork. It's kind of... Yeah. I- I've seen better artwork from a... From Spencer, say <laughs> <laughs> a parted poster, but uh, there's that too. Um, I, I just I didn't like the artwork. Peter Parker's hair was looked funny the entire issue. It's like he tried to go for Sp- Caselli's spiky look, and it just doesn't work. Uh, the contrived meeting with Carly Cooper was kind of awkward. I, th- I I think that there should have been some time away from the two being together. Uh, I, the Vulturian, the the Vulturian lights, or, or excuse me, Vulturian darks, um, <laughs> the dark Vulturian. <laughs> yes, this is. I love it. Uh, I love it because because hey, what's so edgy and cool? Hey, let's make them goth. Every time I, I love goth yeah. person, punch them in the throat. Yeah, <laughs> or take yeah. their their piercings and and yank them if they've got chains on their faces. <laughs> uh, uh, this I like this introduction to the vulture, but it's mostly an un, uninspired story. So I just my pro is, um, uh, well, I like the vulture's new costume. Uh, that's a pro. Did, did we see the vulture's new costume? It's not really a well, costume. We just saw him in his black jumpsuit, which is hopefully a return to his uh, Mark Millar Marvel Knights 
God. It's a lot like Return of the Joker, actually, like the way the scene's set up and yeah. how he's dressed. I think it, I, 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 he looks kind of badass in that last scene, how he's carving up some meat for the his pet vulture. His, his face of, looks kind of weird, but that's the artist. Well, that, well he's not, vultures aren't attractive. Well, and no, he's like but, 90. Exactly. But, yeah. you know, uh, I, 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 liked, I, I, liked that, I liked the all-black look. I just wish there were some lines to differentiate the uh, collar and et cetera, et cetera. Or they just want to make yeah. it work. It's like this big, like, uh, silhouette. Yeah. And if they go back, Which, if it is the uh, the Marvel Knights costume, then I think it had, like, you know, red tuft around the collar where the white used to be for the green costume. And he was fighting for the for the life of a cancer-stricken boy for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> What's your grade, Zach? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to give this a C. I mean, this really was okay. mediocre to me. Who haven't I hit up yet? Hello. Okay, hit it, Don. <laughs> uh, I came off ruder than a minute to be. Um, aren't there, no, it's fine. Aren't the Volturi-like characters in Twilight? I think. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, I'm serious. I think that's what they are. But um, that's hilarious. I think the general consensus is correct in that this is a very like mediocre issue with Spider-Man, and there's not much to talk about because this comes down to personal opinion. But I don't think Dan Slott is as good of a writer to take, take a mediocre story, or to just take a basic story and make it interesting. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the story. It's like, you know, it's, it's oh, the vultures, you know, it's, you know, typical superhero hijinks, but it's, it's what Zach said, very uninspired. Um, the art, again, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's bad art, but then it's just a style I don't care for. I think Klaus Jansen is a very unwelcome inker in Spider-Man. I just think that, like, his style doesn't really suit the character, but that's, that's me. I mean, I can't tell. Okay, I have – y'all talked about Jansen's inking, and – I'm a fan. I'm an absolute giant fan of his work with Romita Jr. in Lost Years, yeah. and that story. And I think he, I'm almost positive he he did the inking during the JMS run. I'll have to go back and check, but but no, he did his not. His recent no, 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 stuff no, no, was, was it not him? Not in the JMS stuff. He did uh, John Romita Jr. and Dean White stuff. But even still, I, I thought that that didn't look as best as John Romita Jr. as John Romita Jr. did during the JMS run. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Right. Uh, to, to, to each his own. I mean, um, but again, like, like I, this feels like a cartoon to me. Like, like Kevin said and Jr. said, the police chief is a joke. He's like, you know, what are you trying to do your job, Cooper? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it's it's stupid. And um, like like and like the way one of the biggest problems I have with him is, with Slaz writers that the dialogue is so unbelievable. When Kingpin is in, is in uh, his Shadowland headquarters, and then like the mole from Horizon Labs comes in, he's like, "Ah, Tiberius Stone, my inside man at Horizon." It's like, "Well, that was expositional." Yeah. It's like, yeah. "Ah, Brad Douglas, the owner of Spider-Man Crawl Space, how are you?" Like, what the fuck? And no one talks like that. I'll give you that. I I really hate that. Um, the good parts, I did like how um, Cumming Cully did Spider-Man. He looks very very athletic, and the action scenes really I thought they were really cool, and interesting. I like the way he's just moving around. Um, like Josh said, I didn't think that Carly Cooper was going to be completely gone from the books, but I didn't think that she would be so over her and Peter's spat in the last issue. Because it's like, it's almost like she just broke up with him without knowing he's Spider-Man, the way she's acting. She's like, oh, okay, we'll work together. Ha, ha, ha. I figured she'd be a lot more angry. Um, I still don't think they're going to get together romantically, and if they do, I'll be mad. But, uh, I mean, this is a very mediocre... Yeah, I'm mad. This is this, this not bad, yeah. not good. <laughs> see. Uh, Flat see. Yeah, I, I, flat B is that what you said? Oh no 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 C. Oh flat C, okay. Who did, did who else did I miss? Yourself. Did I get everybody? Hey, hey Kevin. Yeah. What do you I think of first? Uh, did Jr. go? 
Yeah, I went. No, I, have yeah, I think question. he was first. I have a question for Kevin. Oh, okay. okay hit, hit up Kevin. Kevin, what did you think of uh, Morbius being revealed as number six? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe we haven't hit that up. Well, uh, you know how I feel about Morbius. Just the more you see him, the, the less you want to see him. No, I loved it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was seeing that happen. I was like, is it? Is it, it's, it not a hoax. Not a very dream. <laughs> it's real. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is it kind of reminds me of Spider-Man Crawl Space. Oh. His face was hidden for a few issues. Are you trying to say that someone's ripping you off? Again? Absolutely oh. not. Absolutely <laughs> not. I'm not trying to say that. Scott, it kind of reminds me of, which is kind of amusing and kind of funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Scott but, but, yeah, of course I'm freaking excited. But we already knew that uh, Morbius is going to be the focus of the next point one issue. And um, true. it's just kind of cool that Morbius is is the uh, the resolution to uh, several issues long mystery for freaking once. <laughs> in this day and age. That's nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, pro and con. I'm going to give this one a C. Uh, the pro... Uh, I, 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 I'm hesitant to give it a pro, but I'm going to go ahead and give it how... It's, it's an interesting dynamic for Peter to have a romantic interest that knows his identity and is an ex. I don't think I've ever seen... I, 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 and it has lasted a little bit of time. Uh, I think that'll be an interesting dynamic for the fir- for the fir- no no for the first time. Well, it's still his wife in my opinion, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't think we've seen that dynamic, and I find Carly Cooper more interesting now than I've ever found her, and that's just mar- marginally more interesting than a piece of toast. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think that it will be an interesting dynamic if if she's a forensic scientist or a CSI gal or whatever on the police force. And he'll have a contact there. That that opens up some uh, potential storylines, as opposed to her always in the shadow of Mary Jane. If they go back together, like Kevin says, and Kevin's pretty sure about, that will be disappointing. Because I think for the first time she's an interesting character, a little bit. Uh, another pro, it's nice to see Mary Jane being a party girl, a celebrating uh, with her little spider heart shirt. And uh, I think it's... <laughs> I think it's interesting that all the people are dressed in spider garb, and I, I, in in the spider rave, it looks like someone's a stilt man in there, or is that an ock arm? I'm not quite sure. Uh, there's a very ugly looking spider girl with a skirt and bra <laughs> in the spider rave. But anyway, uh, good Mary Jane Con, the artwork. Uh, and also the dialogue. You guys have mentioned it before. Uh, I don't care for the expositional hello Kevin Cushing ad, uh, administrator on the crawl space how do you do uh, uh, I don't, very I don't... well Brad Douglas webmaster of the Spider-Man crawl space it's nice <laughs> to see people you don't... exactly people don't tend to talk like that I mean granted there's a matter of this could be someone's first issue and where is your wife that's the weakness yes however they also have something that they don't really take advantage of at least in this issue and they could have little pieces, little pe- pictures of people's names under them, like this is Carly Cooper, this is Peter Parker, blah blah blah. Instead, they have three fourths of the page with a Daily Bugle banner at the top and people walking around naked in it, and it, and it has a couple lines of a. They try to make it like a newspaper headlines. Instead, it doesn't really help you 
refresh who, a who these characters are and a majority of what happened the previous issue. A lot of other comics spend a little bit more time on the who your characters are in the book, but this one does not. So that's kind of a con. See, uh, like I said, on the issue. All right, that's the reviews. What else do we want to hit up? Recommendations? Are we doing that? Recommendations. Yeah, we can do that. Who wants to start? Bertone, you start with your recommendations. Let's see what you got. The Muppets, which Brad has not seen somehow. Oh, <laughs> I want to see The Muppets so bad. No, no I, sure I, you do. I uh, I took some of the kids from work to see it opening day, and it was it it was awesome. I was downloading songs like um, from the soundtrack onto my phone before we left the theater. It was a oh. uh, very good movie. And then um, uh, a week and a half ago, um, one of those, those same kids, we were going to see Arthur Christmas, and the whole car ride, he's like, "No, let's see the Muppets again. Let's see the Muppets again." So we saw the Muppets again, and it was even better the second time. It's uh, oh my god, you've seen it twice, and I've not seen it once. I've seen it twice, and it's there's not a lot of movies that I would see twice, but that one, it, it's good, and you know, it's it's a Muppet movie. It's got it's breaking the fourth wall. It's got its celebrity cameos, and it's really really good movie. That's awesome. Anything else? Um, yeah, actually, I don't even know how to open this up um, for discussion, but um, um, one of the same kids that I've worked with, um, we've started a Kickstarter campaign. Um, the kid's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and Asperger's syndrome, and his family and he would like to put together a book. He wants to tell his story about you know being a young person with these disabilities. It's um, You can search on Kickstarter, um, help a young Star Wars fan with special needs tell his story. It, it was also on the front page of Crawl Space. It's probably been off for a few weeks by the time this is downloaded, so I'll put it in the comment section on the website or repost it when the podcast comes right. out. But any donations that can be made, uh, we would greatly appreciate. Give, give them an incentive to donate. You've, you've oh, said yeah. this already. That's right. Yeah. Tell them about that. If you donate, you can put in the comment section on the Kickstarter thing that you're from Crawl Space. And if Crawl Space can raise half of the money, I will dress up as any Spider-Man character that you want Mail and post that on the site. This, Mail this could be him as Betty Brant or... Oh, it's going to be Betty Brant. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. <laughs> Send those dollars flying, people. <laughs> for chair. All right. As, as awesome. long as you dress up as Betty Brand for this and not San Diego, I'll be absolutely fine with it. But if I have to like walk in and you're doing makeup and stuff, that's just gonna be awkward. True. True. Anyway, it's a good cause. Your goal, how much do you want to raise? Uh we're looking at two thousand dollars right now and uh cool. uh some friends from the crawl space actually already donated. The former amazing Spider Man reviewer Gerard was the first guy. So Oh, wow. oh Don- Donovan did too. I should mention that he's nice. on the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a dick move there, Bertoni. Come on. <laughs> so insulted. There's a lot of dick move in this show. All right. <laughs> That's great. Wait, what? Steve, uh, Steven Walker won't take your money anymore, so so give it over here. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Any other recommendations, sir? Uh, not from me, no. Kevin, recommendations, my friend. Uh, I'm going to recommend a new show called Once Upon a Time. And I am aware that uh, many comic book fans consider it a rip-off of Fables, and I choose not to care. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've watched the first five or six episodes of the show, however many I've put out. It's a, it, I started watching it uh, just because Robert Carlyle is a fantastic actor, and 
Uh, he continues to be a fantastic actor. He's playing Rumpelstiltskin in this show, and he's the the show flashes between uh, you know the actual fairy tale world with all these characters and the modern real world where they've all been cursed and don't have any memories of who they were and they're just living like regular people and um, so you get to see really creepy Rumpelstiltskin Robert Carlyle and then you get to see kind of creepier regular human loan shark Robert Carlyle um, <laughs> but the, it's, it's a pretty solid cast it's a pretty solid show so far uh, I'm enjoying it and he is good enough reason to watch it's done by a couple of the producers from Lost um, if you liked that show and uh, honestly, though, I haven't gotten a chance to read a lot of comics, see a lot of movies, or watch a lot of TV lately, so that's the only one I've really got this month. Yep. Okay. Uh, Zach. All right. I'm going to recommend a TV show, and the first two seasons are up on Netflix, and it's a sci-fi show. So I know that most of you, when you think sci-fi, if you're like me, sci-fi channel movies and TV shows usually are grown-worthy, mostly. <laughs> There's a few gems like Battlestar Galactica, et cetera, et cetera. But Warehouse 13, uh, has anybody ever seen the show? Heard of it. Heard of it? Okay. If you don't know, it's a show about uh, – follows a group of Secret Service agents that go around and retrieve artifacts from American and world history. These, these artifacts could range anywhere from Edgar Allan Poe's pen and his diary to um, – you know, uh, it's kind of like an Ark of the Covenant type thing where, you know, they, they, they seal it off at the end of Indiana Jones. It's basically that concept on a TV show. Um, okay. Very entertaining, very funny. Um, a little bit slow. If you watch it from the beginning, it's a little slow to start. But once once the season one starts rolling, it's a lot – it gets better. Uh, season three was really good. It seems to have gotten better and better with every um, – Progressing seasons, so they've had three seasons. They're going to start season four in, in 2012. Um, but really fun, uh, really good interactions between the characters, and, and just an entertaining show. It's it's on Netflix. You can check it out. The other thing I wanted to recommend is How I Met Your Mother is finally on Netflix. If you haven't Word. seen How I Met Your Mother, I have not. It is oh, dude, it is great. Got to see it. Great show. Fantastic. I, I I want to see that one in, in Big Bang. I've never seen an episode of that, and I hear that's funny. Oh, also. Big Bang! That mm-hmm. uh, you just stole my other recommendation, Big Bang Theory. Oh, sorry. I, w- I wish that was on Netflix. Penny. Yeah. Penny. Penny. <laughs> yeah. There's there's so many big... quarter quarter dime. What the hell are you talking no, no, no. about? The, the characters. One of the characters. <laughs> You'll see. Okay. Got it. Uh, <laughs> that, that's how the OCD character knocks on her door. He like knocks three times and says her name and. He's, okay. He knocks on. Yeah, it, it's he's. It's very funny. It, it's it's that Big Bang Theory is so smart, you know. And it's not complete. It, they'll talk about things that are completely over your head, but you still kind of get the gist of it. Right. And they do it in in, in such a, such a way that it, it it's really entertaining because you got these guys that are just so brilliant, but they are so clueless at the same time. So those are my three recommendations on TV shows. Um. And I'm going to, uh, of course, the, my standard recommendation is, of course, Clone Slager Chronicles. Yep, we need an update. Like you said November's your month. I, I, Guess what? It's December. I, I, I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, Bertoni, what's our update? I think we got everything on the FTP now, right? Uh, yeah, they're all they're being loaded on the FTP. Then the XML needs to be edited to actually post them, and so there so was any, 
any day now. If but by the time this episode, of course, knowing Brad, they'll release it today. But um, <laughs> no, um, we're not going to say by the time this episode airs because that always makes us look bad. So let's hopefully just, let's hopefully. just say stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. Let's stay tuned. Uh, we got we got we got some things coming, and I'm, I'm obviously we're going to be working really hard to get the the shows sort of up to speed because we got a new Scarlet Spider title out. And I'm going to go ahead. True. I made a pre-recommendation back in, in in September for the iPhone 4S, and I am so confident now in this book because of the interviews that I've seen with Chris Yost that I'm going to pre-recommend Scarlet Spider number one. That's right. He is actually our reviewer of the book. Zach is. He when it first was announced, he's like, "Blurred, can I please review it?" So he uh, Zach will review it on the front page, and if he doesn't get it out. On time. He's dead. He's <laughs> I'm going to clone someone to review it for him. Okay. <laughs> Get my evil my evil clone with the, the goat. Exactly. Team. All right. Any other recommendations, Zach? Uh, one other recommendation. If you haven't got a Spider-Man Christmas ornament yet, which if you haven't, why not? Oh, what's this? Here? I haven't I haven't been to Hallmark. Uh, there is a new one. It's just him crouching in a in a standard crouch pose. Uh, they also got a really good looking Thor. Um, oh, good. That's from the. It's actually from the comic books, so it's uh, kind of a Straczynski Thor. It's really cool looking. Uh, that nice. For Kevin, they've got a Green Lantern one. It's Hal Jordan. I know. I'm sorry. It's not Kyle Rayner, but uh, they got him, and uh, they got the '60s Batman Batmobile that you press a little button and it plays the Batman '60s thing, which is really awesome. So, right. there you go. Okay. Uh, Jr., what's your recommendation, sir? Um, I just have one this month, uh, in my, uh, in my surfing, um, internet speaking, of course, um, I came across a, uh, made for the web series called Pioneer One. Uh, it's, and it's a series that's completely supported apparently by fan donations. And, uh, apparently it's been quite successful, uh, Again, relatively speaking, it's it's for the web. Uh, they've completed six episodes. Um, they film at New York, and they do use some professional actors, but you know, professional in this case means you know people who probably have real jobs during the day until they get that big break. Uh, but the story the story is interesting. It's um, um, a, what appears to originally be a satellite uh, crash uh, crashes in Montana. Uh, and they think it's a, a Russian satellite or an old Soviet satellite, but it turns out that it's a, a small spaceship with a guy, uh, a you know, a Russian, a young Russian man, and his claim is that he was born on Mars and he has been had been living on Mars for the last 20 years and came and came to Earth, and so the crux of this series is they're up in Canada. You know, it's you'd have to watch that. But anyway, they're under quarantine right now until because they're trying to figure out just what in the world is going on. Is this guy really? I mean, is, is he what he says he is? Uh, and so there's like political fencing, but you know, between the some of the main characters and fencing between the Russians and, and the U.S. And I, I was they're about I think the episodes are about half hour apiece, and and they're completing their first run of six episodes. I think this the sixth one is going to uh, air in a week or so, actually in the next couple of days. I I just kind of found it interesting. Uh, I don't know how long they mm -hmm. can keep it up. Uh, it's one of those things that you would you would hope they wrap it up fairly soon before it wears out its welcome. But uh, it's Pioneer One. It's at Pioneer One dot TV. Um, or if you Google Pioneer One or, or enter it in the search engine at YouTube, you can find it. Cool. 
All right, uh, Don, what's your recommendation, sir? Oh, this is this is new. Um, <laughs> well, I have three. Um, yeah. A the first one is a comic book, and uh, because of the theme of the show, I'll actually recommend Ultimate Spider-Man by Brian Michael Bendis and um, the artist <laughs> uh, Sarah Bacelli, I think it is. But no, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, there's been a lot of talk about like a whole Miles Morales Spider-Man story and whether it's worth being told or whether it's you know just like pandering to a demographic and all that shit. Anyway, like really, it is a very good story. Um, I will admit that it's the biggest flaw in it. It's incredibly decompressed, but it is really, yeah. really good. I mean, it's in four issues right now, and each one. He's not even in the suit. <laughs> well, he's in a suit, but yeah, no. I mean, that's that's always like been. Peter was been Peter in the first issues of Ultimate. Yeah, that's true. He really like you. You at least I I feel connected with uh, Miles Morales as a character as a, as a little kid. It's really interesting to see this like uh, done at, for a superhero comic to have him like kind of a little kid, not even a teenager, but a kid. Sort of take up take up the identity of a, of a fallen superhero, so I think I find that really interesting. And in each issue, I think it's gotten better and better. Um, so that's my comic book recommendation. Uh, okay. I will recommend a book, which is still comic book related. Uh, I will recommend uh, Super Gods by Grant Morrison. Um, I know half the the message board are, are face falling right now, but no, really, if you're a comic book fan, you would love this book. This is really really interesting. It's sort of like it's sort of a primer for anybody who wants to learn more about comics or would like to know the history about it, just going from, like, the golden age to current. And Morrison's take on it, he talks about, you know, like, the invention of National and then Timely with DC and Marvel. He goes into his own uh, life as a fan and then as a writer and his own experiences in the industry. Um, by far the two funniest chapters are when he's talking about image comic books and then when he's talking about the Batman movies. It's really, really funny. It's really informative and it's really engaging. I mean, I was trying to read it as much as I could through this past semester. Um, but I was just too busy, but I'm, I'm finally home now and I can fit, sit down and finish it. So I recommend that. And, um, finally, I, <laughs> I would like to recommend an upcoming podcast that I'm starting. Um, oh, good. It's, it's comic book related, but only, only tenuously because it's not strictly Westernized. But, uh, along, along with Jesse Garrett, who's a poster on the message boards, Jesse and I are going to start, uh, a podcast called The Next Dimension. And it's a Dragon Ball Z podcast which is a little bit uh, off the norm, but we're starting the show very soon. I have a Lipson account up. You can find the trailer of the show at dbznextdimension at lipson.com. And, um, yeah, check it out if you like hearing me, if you like hearing him, if you want to learn anything about this wacky series that is Dragon Ball Z, because it's going to be a lot of fun. And that should be out um, possibly when this episode comes out. So uh, cool. Next Dimension is an upcoming podcast with me and Jesse Gertz. Awesome. All right. Uh, that's everybody in it. I got got to do my own though. <laughs> you got to do yourself, uh, everybody. Got to do my own recommendations. Uh, f- comic book, two comics, three, four comic books recommendations. Um, Spider related. I was surprised how good the Cloak and Dagger miniseries has was. I I've always liked Cloak and Dagger. I know Jr. is going to grumble, but I <laughs> I like Cloak and Dagger. I, I have pr- every series they've ever been in and it, and the ending of it I don't want to spoil it if you haven't read it but it's a good twist on the characters and sadly the book sold horribly <laughs> so we probably won't see these two for another but I, I like what they did and it was I think it was actually the same duo that wrote the the Osborne miniseries which I hated but well, no, it was Nick Spencer that did um 
Cloak and Dagger. It was the artist that did the Osborne miniseries. But uh, her art for Cloak and Dagger worked perfectly. I read the three in one sitting, and, and I really dug it. So check out the Cloak and Dagger Spider Island tie-in. I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, Kevin probably likes this recommendation. Uh, what, how do you say his name uh, that writes Uncanny X-Men? Uh, Kieran Gillen? Yes. Uh, I think he's killing it on Uncanny X-Men. I've re- I read issue two last night. I think it's really cool. The Mr. Sinister is the antagonist. Um, have you? Do you like that book, Kev? Are you enjoying Uncanny? I've got all the issues, but I honestly haven't read it yet. Um, cause I've he, got like he's a, been writing it. He's been writing it for a while. I, mean, I know. I've, I've got them all built up, but I've got like this backlog of X Men trade paperbacks from like the year before that that I still haven't plowed through. Because I also want to read his Generation Hope series, and I figured to do that, I need to read Second Coming first, so I know what the hell Hope is. Uh-huh. Right. I haven't read Generation Hope, but uh, he's really just got a spark of uh, uh, with the relaunch of Uncanny. And I also love Carlos Paccio, I think is how you say it. I've always loved Yeah, I've always loved his something like that. Yep. Good stuff. Uncanny X-Men. Two DC comic book recommendations. (laughs) Ha ha. Whoa. Can you believe that? Hooray. Uh, Batman by... uh, Let's let's see. Who's writing it? Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, really loving that. I read issue three last night about the War of the Owls, and now they hide, they steal people's nests. I'm like, man, this is good stuff. Why haven't I been reading Batman sooner? Oh, <laughs> that's my quote. Why did, why did I drop Batman when Michael Keaton got out of the suit? It's pretty much what I thought <laughs> last night when I, when I put issue three down. So it was really good. Um, Also, Batman the Dark Knight I read last night. Really good. The artwork is beautiful. Uh, I like David Finch's stuff. Didn't he do... Was he House of M? Did he draw House of M? He did the first, like, six issues of New Avengers. Okay. And he also did... um, Ultimate. uh, The New Moon Knight. Yeah, first six of that, too. Anyway, I always loved his stuff. Etc. So those two books. And I, I'm not. I don't remember if I recommended it in November or not. But on Netflix, the Burn Notice has been up. Uh, I'm up to like episode four. Freaking outstanding show. Loving it. It's kind of hokey sometimes. Well, first four is solid, man. Yeah, but it's a I, it's a popcorn movie on TV. It's not supposed to be taken seriously. Exactly. Exactly. That, that, okay, that fair enough. Yeah, I, I can see your point. And we'll wrap up the show right about there. Before we go, I want to give another plug to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of their great prices on Spider Comics is for Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 7. In this issue, the world finds out about the new Spider-Man, and also Scorpion comes to New York and Miles has to face him. The cover price is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47. So check them out at their new website, MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com. <laughs>